Let's get into the Word today. If you have your Bible uh, or Bible app uh, on your phone there, or the Life Church app has a Bible in it, um, let's go to Matthew chapter 28. And I, wanna, I want to do what I think will be the conclusion of a, a really good series uh, called In Control. In Control. Unless the Lord deals with me, I'll move on to something else next week. In Control, part 10. Matthew 28 and verse 18, it reads, And Jesus came and spoke to them, saying, All authority has been given to me in heaven and on earth. Go therefore and make disciples of all the nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all things that I have commanded you. And lo, I am with you always, even to the end of the age. Amen. So one of the last things that Jesus said before uh, going back to heaven and being seated at the right hand of the Father is he talked to his disciples and by extension us about authority. And, And really you can see here it's for us, it's delegated authority. It belongs to him because he retrieved it through his death and and. Uh, resurrection and ascension. He, he got it back, uh, but then he delegated it to us. He said, it's all been given to me. You go, therefore, and do these things in my name. That's the language of delegation. He authorized his church, the body of Christ, all around the world. He authorized us to do his work, to do things in his name. We are in charge of what God is doing here on the earth. And so uh, knowing that principle, um, we want to make sure that we attach activity, action, application to what we know. It is not enough just to have a revelation of this authority, to have an understanding of who we are in Christ, what we've been given, uh, what we're able to do, there is a necessity that we also do something, that we also act. And I say the word necessity really strong here today. And you'll see as I go, it's very, very important. Outcomes are very much tied to our application of these truths. They're not just symbolic. This is not just a figurative statement. The outcome does um, hinge on whether we do something with this or we don't. It is not correct to believe or to say that everything is just going to work out. Yeah, you know, it's all going to work out in the end anyway. Well, in the end, it'll work out, but it won't work out for everybody. When you say it's going to work out, yes, God's final plan will happen just as he said, but your involvement in it is definitely not a guarantee. People on earth have the right to choose. We uh, either obey or ignore or disobey. Our involvement and our usage of authority really has tangible, life-altering, and even eternal ramifications. So the passive believer is really yielding to the wrong spirit. We must assert. We must do something, or real suffering will take place. Needless suffering. Sometimes even premature death will happen if we are not 
actively involved in doing something with what God left us in charge of. So I want to encourage you today, don't neglect the charge. Stand your ground. Man the post. Amen. Push back on the forces of darkness. Not passively or just mentally assenting to that reality or that truth. Oh, yeah. No, actually doing something. Actually participating. And I'll show you more of what that means. If you'll turn with me to uh, the book of Luke, chapter 8. If you're in Matthew, take a right turn. Swing by Mark. Wave. Say, you've got a good name. And then, and then and go over to, to Luke uh, chapter 8. You may be familiar with this story. Um, if not, that's okay. Luke chapter 8 and verse 22, it reads, Now it happened on a certain day that he got into a boat with his disciples, and he said to them, Let us cross over to the other side of the lake. And they launched out. But as they sailed... He fell asleep. Why did Jesus fall asleep? Because he was tired. Yeah, this is no mystery here. Jesus lived in a physical body. Why do you fall asleep? Don't you do it right now. <laughs> it's your speaking. You're not <laughs> he fell asleep. <laughs> Sorry. I'm just doing like Jesus does. <laughs> Context, everybody. Uh, and a windstorm. Oh, let's see. Where, where are we now? As they sailed, he fell asleep. Verse 23. And a windstorm came down on the lake, and they were filling with water and were in jeopardy. Everybody say, were, were. In, in jeopardy. And they came to him and awoke him, saying, Master, Master, we are perishing. And he arose and rebuked the wind and the, and, and the raging of the water. And they ceased, and there was a calm. But he said to them, where is your faith? And they were afraid and marveled, saying to one another, who can this be? For he commands even the winds and the water, and they obey him. So I want us to think about this account here today and use our, our rational brains, our rational approach, and not, not figuratize any of it, because this is a literal event. This really did take place. When the scripture says here that they were in jeopardy, when they said, Master, we are perishing, those are pretty serious words. We should ask ourselves, well, were they really in jeopardy? And what some will do is they will erase that and say, yeah, they couldn't have been in real trouble. I mean, after all, Jesus was with them, and so they weren't really in any serious danger. Then why didn't Jesus correct them? Why didn't he say, you know, you guys, you need to chill out. There's no real danger here. Those waves, those, those aren't a threat. This water coming in the boat, psh, that's not real water. He didn't say any of that. In fact, he, they were in jeopardy. The, the New Living Translation reads, and they were in real danger. Come on, everybody say real danger. real danger. This is not fake danger. 
This is not a made-up story, made-up storm. This is not just a, a story for us to you know, get excited about and that the, the strong words are used to move us emotionally, but ultimately no one could have ever died there. No, real danger means they could have died there. They were perishing. The storm was a genuine threat against their lives. Okay, everybody with me? Um, <laughs> that brings up state questions like this. Well, if Jesus is in the boat, then certainly they couldn't have been in real danger. Why did it say they were in real danger, even though Jesus was in the boat? And people will translate that to, well, if Jesus is in your heart, if Jesus is in your life, nothing could really, truly happen outside of his will. Really? Then why were they in danger? Well, Jesus was with them. It, it never would have happened. It never would have turned out really bad. Then why did Jesus have to get up and rebuke the storm? What if he didn't rebuke the storm? If we think, well, it would have turned out fine anyway, then he's just playing games and teaching us something that's unnecessary or incorrect. He's teaching his disciples something they should never do or something that doesn't need to happen. This is a real story. Their lives were really in danger, and the, the, the rebuke of Jesus to the wind was necessary. See, this is where people trip in their mind a little bit, so I'll, 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 I'll go slowly. I want you to really wrestle with it. If Jesus wouldn't have rebuked the wind and the waves, what would have happened? If they were in real danger, as it says, the boat would have capsized or filled up and sank. What happens when you're in the middle of a, a, a lake or a sea and there's a great storm and the boat turns over? What usually happens then? People drowned. See, we have to avoid dismissing this. Oh, no, but they couldn't have because Jesus was with them. Because Jesus rebuked it. But if Jesus would have done nothing, bad things would have happened. Well, if Jesus is in your heart, <laughs> no, something has to be done about the storms. Jesus wasn't modeling a, a false approach to dealing with storms, whether those storms are real, like this one, or figurative. He wasn't modeling something that was unnecessary. Those who sit back and let the storm, rise, let the storm take them out really do suffer harm if they don't rebuke. If you think, well, Jesus could have, he, he wasn't in real danger, couldn't be. He could have just walked on the water. Think about it. Did Jesus normally, as a standard operating procedure, walk on water? Or did most of the time he take boats? Do you think gravity as a general rule worked on Jesus like it did on other people? Yeah. Yes, it did. What does that mean? That means if Jesus would have stepped out of the boat, he would have sunk. 
No, he would have walked on water. No. If he... If Jesus could have just walked on water anytime he wanted because he's Jesus, wouldn't you kind of do that a lot? Like that time when he borrowed, uh, you know, Peter's boat to teach because the crowd was massive and they're pushing against him and his feet are getting wet and he needs to back up. You ever have someone stand right there? You know, like personal space, you know. So he says, I need to get a boat and go out. Why didn't he just go stand out there? Talk about getting everyone's attention. (laughs) <laughs> I'm going to go stand out there on the... Why? Because he didn't... He couldn't just do that. He taught us himself that he only does what the Father told him to do. He didn't just, at his own will, just violate all the natural uh, laws of physics. But when his Father told him, yeah, he could walk on the water, he could do different miracles and, and, and different things, he was led just like us. Just like us. So for us to just say, oh, they're fine, or at least Jesus would have been fine because he would have walked on the water. No, that was the wrong approach in this situation. If the father would have told him, Jesus, get out, son, get out there on the water, then he would have done that. But what, what was needed here? Someone in the boat with authority to speak to the storm. Someone to deal with it with their words. And the absence of that activity means the storm wins. What could happen to you if no action is taken? What could happen in your family, finances, relationships, health, emotions? What could happen? Because the the storms could be figurative. They could be, uh, you know, a genuine physical weather-oriented storm. It could be other problems in life. What if we just sit back and say, well, nothing can happen to me except it is filtered through God's hand of love then whatever that issue is is going to come slap you up one side of the face and across the other and knock you down and take you out if it can. God's protection is manifest in our lives when we do some rebuking. When we do some rebuking, we follow the model of Jesus. Everybody with me? But it's amazing how many... Christians today never rebuke anything. I'm not talking about people. We'll cover that at the end. I'm talking about the work of the enemy, talking about storms of life or literal life-threatening storms. They never do any rebuking. Everything is, I'm praying to God. Prayers to the Father are awesome, necessary, and needed in some situation, but that's a shallow view if that's all we do is do that in every situation in life. In storms, Jesus never said, every guy, hey, guys in the boat, let's all pray. Come gather around, grab hands. Let's pray about this storm in, my, in our lives. No, that wasn't the time for prayer. That was the time for someone who knew what they had and knew what they could do to stand up and say, stop it. In Jesus, in my name, but we would say in Jesus' name. <laughs> That's the right approach to that situation. Praise God. Now, I don't want to go down this line, but there are other types of storms, like Jonah's storm that uh, he was in because of his disobedience. Sometimes the right response to a storm is to repent and do the will of God. Yeah. But in this situation, they weren't doing the wrong thing. They were doing the will of God, going to the other side. And the storm tried to take them out. Someone says, well, why did God let this happen? 
Wrong question. Why did you let it happen? (laughs) I think we've got to get this God allowed it mentality out of us. Because he gets blamed. So many things get ascribed to his control that he specifically said, that's in your power. In this situation, I'm leaving that up to you. And so you can't expect someone to do something then that they can't do. And Jesus' rebuke of his disciples here, I don't know about you, but it almost seems harsh. Like they're in a life-threatening situation. This is a major deal. And after Jesus takes care of it, he looks at them and gets on their case about it. What are you, why are you guys, af- where's your faith? Why are you afraid? I mean, don't you think their fear was maybe justified? Uh, Lord, uh, the storm was pretty real. <laughs> it was serious, major storm. Why are you coming down on us so hard? But remember, we always stay on the Lord's side because he did not unjustly rebuke them. He got on their case and it was what they needed. Is that ever needed in our lives? <laughs> Can we even in this year, in this time, in in life, in our country, take a harsh word? Take a word that it's a little bit like puts you in your seat and I need to shape up or ship out. But nowadays people don't want to ever hear anything like that. What, you're saying it's my fault? Well, you might want to consider the possibility. Jesus spoke strongly to them. And it seems that way, but let's stay on his side. He rebuked them, so they must have had enough information, enough by example following him where they should not have responded the way they did. At minimum, they should have been at peace and went to the Lord and say, what do you advise we do in this storm? At maximum, based on the times that they were given authority over the enemy, they should, have spoke, they should have stood up and rebuked the storm themselves. And Jesus would have said, you guys, way to go. Say, well, how would they know that? Again, let's go to Jesus' reaction. His response to them tells us he thought they should have figured it out. Even though they didn't have specific storm training, He gave them enough information when he gave them authority over demons and over diseases and all these things. He gave them enough information where they should have concluded, this is not God. This is not the will of God. This is an attack of the enemy, and we are not going to put up with it. And they should have stood up. Sometimes in our lives, we may wonder, ah, what do I do in this situation? We connect the dots. Okay, the Lord left me in charge. He gave me his name. These are his promises of protection and provision and long life. These are his, okay, I'm going to say something about this. I'm going to speak in the spirit by faith in the name of Jesus, and I'm going to put an end to this trouble right here, right now. Yeah. Everybody okay? Jesus lived this way concerning his own life. People were constantly threatening him. One day they tried to throw him off a cliff. He walked right through the middle of him unharmed. They just couldn't get to him. In fact, Jesus said this in John 8, uh, 10, verse 18, amplified. He said, no one takes it from me. No one takes it away 
from me. On the contrary, I lay it down voluntarily. I, I put it from myself. I am authorized and have power to lay it down, to resign it, and I am authorized and have power to take it back again. These are the instructions, orders, which I have received as my charge from the Father. So Jesus got instruction from the Father, and now he was fearless in the face of physical threats, storms. He was fearless in the face of people threats, them trying to kill him. When that time he went to the cross, uh, you could say they crucified him. Yeah, but he gave himself up. It was 100% voluntary. They couldn't have killed him unless he volunteered to be the, the savior, the sacrifice for the sins of the world. So Jesus walked around with a boldness. I, I present to you today that boldness should exist in us. Following his model, we should not be, I'm not talking self-confidence, nor am I talking uh, being as us being the source of every good thing. No, but us knowing who we are, what we have, that the Father backs us up, we're taking his word, and we walk through life not afraid of disease or car accidents or, uh, or other tragedies or shootings or anything, not afraid. Not, not our faith is based in some nothingness where we're just, again, arrogant or anything. No, I know who's in me. I know his, who's for me. I take his promises serious. The Psalm 91 is not just out there for us to admire its poetry. The 91st Psalm, if you don't know, read it. It is about the Lord's protection of us. It's literal. We can take it. Say, well, sometimes, you know, if it's just someone's time to die and there's nothing they can do about that. Listen, you didn't get that from the Bible. That belief does not come from Jesus. That belief does not come from the other writers or the prophets. What, what it is, it's, it's probably a little bit of a twisting of Hebrews 9.27, which says, it is appointed unto men once to die, but after this, the judgment. I mean, no, once to die is not the same as a time to die. Once to die means once. And it means it's, it's going to happen to all of us, right? A time to die means there's a, there's a date on the calendar, there's a time on the clock, and no matter what you do, you're just out of here at that point, however it happens. That's not biblical. For example, read some of the many verses that tell you how to extend your life. There would not be promises given to us if our, life, if our birth and our death were fixed in stone by God and if we had no uh, uh, say in the outcome. We do. Children, for example, you read uh, Ephesians chapter um, 6. Uh, children are told to obey their parents in the Lord, for this is right. Honor your father and mother that it may be well with you and you may live a long time on the earth. Come on, parents. If you don't use that scripture on your kids, <laughs> you are missing a grand opportunity to teach them. You do what we say, and it'll be well with you. You ignore us, and you're going to die. <laughs> now, parents aren't going to contribute to their child's death, but they are going to contribute to them not being happy for a while. Right? Teach them obedience. But my main point is, is though that's just one example of things 
that people can do to extend their life. It's not set in stone. What we do has a direct bearing on not only the quality of our lives, walking in the blessing of the Lord, but the length of our lives. Praise God. And so we've got to, take a, we've got to step up and do something. Are there areas that we don't have authority? Are there situations where this doesn't apply directly? For sure there are. For example, we don't have authority, you know, exclusive or, um, you know, authority without limits in other people's lives. I can't necessarily force the issue in someone else's life. You can't do that. Sometimes we want to when a loved one is doing something dumb. We want to make them do right. And I command you in Jesus' name. Don't do that. Because you can't use your authority over their will. That belongs to them. They have authority in their own life. We can't, we can't make everyone do what we want them to do or we think they ought to do. Paul wrote this in 2 Corinthians 1.24. He said, not that we have dominion over your faith. So where do, where do we not have dominion? Over your faith. But our fellow workers for your joy, for by faith you stand. By whose faith you stand? Well, by your faith you stand. What did Paul say is his job? He said, our job is to help you stay happy. We're working with you. We are helpers. King James says, helpers of your joy. Joy is a key component of faith. I can't make you believe that if I can keep you happy, you're certainly going to be much more successful in life. Depression, sadness opens the door to the wrong spirit, whereas the joy of the Lord is our strength. But Paul said, I don't have dominion over your faith. I can help you, though. I can work with you. I can help you to stay in joy because it's by your faith that you're going to stand. Everybody with me? Say say it out loud. Say, my faith faith is what I have, I can use for my life, and I can stand. See, we can help each other, and we ought to help each other, stand with each other, believe with each other, but but we're not to try to control people. Amen. That, That would be called witchcraft. And we're, we, we frown on witchcraft around here. That is the manipulation of other people's will, forcing your will upon others, okay? I'm not talking about parenting young kids. You do force your will upon them, right? Um, but I'm talking about manipulating other people's minds and their, their decisions. And no, no, that's not how we, how we work. That doesn't really work. The Spirit of God doesn't cooperate with that. He doesn't help us in that. Uh, when we're trying to, to, to do that, whether it's, you know, it's manipulative through money. I'm going to give you money if you'll do what I want or withhold money or, or through flattery. People try to influence. They try to shape. They try to move people in the way of their will. That's a wrong spirit. Sometimes they use divine manipulation. Divine with quotes. Because it's not really God. But they'll say... The Lord told me that you're supposed to do this. People have told me that before. They come before, the Lord told me that our church is to do this. I thought, well, if, if he put me in charge of this house, so he's going to have to talk to me about it, and maybe he's telling you to do that. <laughs> Sometimes people try to control a pastor, what they say, what they don't say. I don't like it when you do this. Well, Okay. You know, or I wish you'd preach on this more often. 
Well, it's usually because they have a tr- pr- trouble with that area or their spouse does. And if I preach it, maybe their spouse will listen. <laughs> but again, that doesn't produce results. You ever notice that sometimes even if you want something good for someone, you want them to behave right and you've got verses on it, forcing them or trying to make them do it is usually not received very well. What you do is pray for them, get in faith, and step back. Some parents have tried to get their kids to go to church, uh, and if they're young, you make them, but once they're older, you can't. Try to make them go to church, try to make them get right with God, and every time they see them, they're preaching to them. Uh, That's the wrong way to do that. Because they shut you out and they shut you off. They never hear what you have to say. Pray for them. If they bring it up, then talk. Believe God to get someone across their path. But when we get too forceful with our own will, even if your will is good for them, it's not received well. And your authority does not extend to to that outcome. You have authority over demon spirits, the works of the devil, attacks of the enemy, these demonic storms like this, not over people. Amen. Or I would command all of you to tithe. Double. Or triple. You don't think I would? (laughs) I totally would, and you'd thank me for it. But nevertheless, it, 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 (laughs) it doesn't work that way. See, when it comes to other people, here's something we don't wanna really accept or embrace, but people have the right to to yield to that demon if they want to. You can yield to that demon all day long, no matter what I say or do, or my binding and rebuking is not going to stop you from, from yielding to that demon. Sometimes what's needed is teaching, exhortation, convince you to to recognize that's the wrong move and to surrender your life to the Lord and resist that thing. See, remember James 4, 7, the last part, resist the devil and he will flee from you. Who resists the devil? You resist the devil for you. I resist the devil for me. That personal engagement is absolutely necessary. I wish I could resist the devil for everybody. I wish someone could resist the devil for me. That's up to me. That's where our authority is limited in scope. Nevertheless, we should be well advised to learn where we can use. Now watch, in your life, your authority works 100%. All the time, in every situation, you have the name of Jesus for your own personal use. Base it on the word of God, but it's always available. When it comes to other people, they need the word themselves. They need to give uh, place to God and resist the devil. You have authority over your body, your mind, uh, your finances, your possessions. Your authority, even in, in, in the name of Jesus, extends to you in that realm in an unlimited way. But when it gets beyond that, this is where we need to work with the Holy Spirit We need to work in cooperation with him and in other people. As a general rule, people need to either, uh, or both, they need to give you permission and cooperation, and then you can use your authority with them. If they'll invite you, 
They'll yield to you, and they'll agree with you. Then you can, you can help them to resist the enemy in their life. But if they don't want it and you just want it for them, that's tough. That's where we go into the prayer mode. We're asking the Father to work on their heart, to open their eyes to see things. But when Jesus, see, we read about him rebuking this storm. Have you ever noticed that Jesus didn't fix all the storms everywhere? He didn't become the global weather controller. He didn't say, all storms all around the planet, I rebuke you. And the temperature rose to 80 degrees and calm all around the globe. That, that's not what he's, and that's not where our authority extends. Say, we have power over the weather. Well, slow down. I, I wouldn't say it that way. I would say when a deadly situation comes against you, you stand up. If we could just change the weather, I would have already taken care of that. It would be 80 year round. It would rain at night, not during the day. It would, <laughs> that's not what, our, uh, what we've been given authority to do. However, whatever is happening in life, in this world, I think as believers working with the Holy Spirit, we should say, should, can I do something about this, Lord? Is this a situation I can get involved with? And get his guidance and direction. If it's a personal attack, you don't even need to really ask him about that. But when it comes to things in our, in our cities, here, locally, in our state, we live here. This is our domain. We're God's representative in the earth today. Too often what we do is we, we, uh, we fail in just consuming information. We hear about deadly things, suicides and drug use and you know, murders, or uh, we hear about violence and different things in our area. And all we do is we hear about it and we tell someone else, or we share the story. Did you hear about this? Man, this has really gone up in our area. This crime has really gone, gone up or this situation. And we just, all we do is take information and pass it on. How are we helping? If anything, we're just perpetuating it. Instead, we ought to say, wait a minute. I'm a part of the Lord's church, the universal church of the Lord Jesus Christ. I have been authorized with his name. Lord, should I be doing something about this? Should we be getting some of our friends together? Should we be getting together with some of the other believers? Should we be saying, I, re I rebuke this in Jesus' name. I bind this spirit of whatever is, that is operating in the area of Boise and Meridian and the Treasure Valley. Should we be standing up and saying, we're not going to permit this in Jesus' name? Can you picture what, what demonic inspiration that is behind so many of these activities, what they're doing when believers, when the church, not just an individual, but we do this. I bet it looks pretty brutal. It's a right hook. It's a punch to the gut. They go flying out. They're screaming in terror because people, the church, finds out who they are, and they can literally have, make a difference not only in their own lives but in the area in which they live. And again, I don't live in New York. I don't live in Florida. I don't live in California. I think believers in those areas ought to do the same thing. 
And I'm not saying we have no influence around the globe because we can pray and work with the Holy Spirit in whatever he leads us to do. But I tell you, we live here. So instead of just repeating bad news, how about we say, I'm not going to allow this in this area. I'm not going to permit it. And we take authority in the spirit and say, this stops. I break the power of this spirit in our area over the minds of men and women and children from manipulating their thoughts and driving them into despair or whatever the situation is. Praise God. That's why I say uh, this revelation is key, but don't let it stop in the revelation area. Let's move it into real life application. How many Christians are there who have, you can go, if you've been a Christian for a while and you've never rebuked, you've never used the power of binding and loosening. Jesus said, I'm giving you the keys. This is up to you. Bind some stuff. Come on, you guys, giddy up. Let's do this. Let's make a difference in our, in our world. When it comes to... Uh, the, the devil and resisting the devil, sometimes it's just saying no. No, no to disease in your own family. Say no to it. Say no to poverty and lack or mental oppression. Say no when temptation comes. Say no in Jesus' name. Use the name like you know. Use the name because it belongs to you. Speak up. Say, I'm not going to be offended. I'm not going to yield to that offensive offense spirit. I'm not going to yield to that anger spirit. In Jesus' name, when you do it, when we say these things, there are real shock waves that go out in the realm of the spirit. And the enemy's plans are pushed back. And it's an invitation for the spirit of the Lord to set people free, to bring people into great liberty. Amen. Pray with me today. Father, thank you for working in us. Thank you for the life of God that works in us, the joy of the Lord that is our strength, the peace of God that fills our hearts and minds. Thank you, Lord, for the grace of God that is sufficient for each and every one of us to live long, to overcome. Thank you, Lord, for the Spirit of the Lord that moves upon us.